According to a recent Veeam customer survey, 76% of Office 365 users don't know they need to back up their data. This should make us all feel a little nervous, especially as we're living in a time where cyber attacks are happening all around us. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's all-new episode of Connection to Experience, I'm sitting down with the experts from Veeam and Microsoft to talk about the seven reasons you need to make backing up your Office 365 your new number one priority. Jason and Franklin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Penny, for having us too. I am really excited to have this conversation, one, because we've been chatting before this episode started, and I already know this is going to be an eventful episode uh, with you both. So let's take a moment before we get started and do some introductions. Franklin, why don't we start with you, who you are, what your expertise is, and what you're bringing to the podcast conversation today. Oh, thanks, Penny, for the intro. Uh, my name is Franklin Nsude, and I am the Senior Cloud Solutions Architect for Connections Group. I'm certified in most of all the Azure services and in Office 365. And so I set up backups for a lot of our customers. Excellent. Welcome. We're excited to chat with you today. And Jason, tell us where you're flying in from today. Well, I'm flying in from Dallas, Texas, but I got to tell you that voice, Franklin, I mean, no one should have to go second to that. Um, and radio, <laughs> no one's as cool as that. My name is Jason Buffington. I'm vice president of solution strategy at Veeam. I've been in the data protection space for 31 years. Only thing I've ever done since getting out of school. I was a Microsoft MVP for several years. I was a Microsoft employee. I ran the data protection products. Uh, at Microsoft for six years. At Veeam, I work on uh, Better Together with all of our alliance partners and then data protection strategy in general. Excellent. So let's dive right into this because I have a question for both of you. As I was preparing for this episode and mentioned in my intro, 76% of Office 365 users don't know they need to back up their data. My immediate thought was, am I supposed to be backing up my own data? in Office 365. <laughs> so let's maybe start there because I'm wondering who is the who? Who is not backing up? Is it my me? Is it my IT department? Is it... Tell us, Jason, what is going on here? Yeah. Okay. So, so first and foremost, good news. You do not have to back up your own stuff. <laughs> and in fact, technically, I don't think you actually can. So individual <laughs> users are off the hook, just like anywhere else in IT. The problem is twofold as far as organizations overall, there's a vast majority of them that think they don't have to back up Office 365. And the reason for that is, you know, as I did in my intro, I've been doing backup for over three decades, right? And for most of that time, when you talk about why do you back up servers at all, there's really kind of two reasons why that happens. One, because bad things happen and stuff breaks. How do you get the users productive again? Right, that's goal number one. And then goal number two, because users do silly things and data goes away. Those are the two major reasons. And when you say users, you can also talk about dev and how data corrupts and all those wonderful bad actors and things. But those are your two goals. The problem 
is, is that Office 365 and SaaS platforms in general are natively durable, right? So whether I get my email from Redmond, Washington, from Phoenix, Arizona, from Dublin, Ireland, I don't care, right? My mail comes in. And so because Office is natively resilient, people think, hey, if that first requirement is checked, I don't have to worry about Office is going to go down and I'm going to recover it, right? Mm -hmm. They think, oh, then maybe I don't have to back it up. Right. The problem is that job number two still applies. Right. <laughs> and in fact, if you think about it, in almost every industry that we're in, if you have a business mandate that says, I got to keep my data for five years or seven years or geospatially uh, disparate or whatever those requirements are, the fact that you chose to run your mail through a service instead of a server does not absolve you of those <laughs> mandates. Right. That is your choice of delivery, not your choice of, of regulation. So, yeah, you still got to back stuff up because, oh, by the way, things still break. Bad actors still happen. Right. So all those secondary reasons still apply. But people get confused on that. That's problem number one. Problem number two is you've got a different admin that comes from a different pedigree. So as an example, for all those folks that, you know, when I first started, we were taking data off of IBM AS400s and mid-ranges, and we put them on Novell. And then you put them on, and then years later, a decade later, we put them on Windows. And then a decade later, we took physical servers, we made them virtual. But it was always data center-centric IT pros that were driving that. For the last five years, the people that have been driving Office 365 adoption have not always been data center IT pro veterans. Right. It's the marketing person or the salesperson or the SMB IT generalist, right? They don't come from an IT background. So things like cybersecurity, things like role-based access, things like backup and recovery are not part of their core skill set. They turn on a credit card, mailboxes show up. How cool is that? Right. And so they don't come from that pedigree of understanding that you still got to back up your stuff. Right. Um, that's a rule. So, I mean, those are the two things of why people think either we don't have to because it's durable or they think, well, surely, surely Microsoft does that. <laughs> and, and, and the answer is, unfortunately, no. I mean, they, they do. And, and that's overly <laughs> simplified for effect. But, um, right. <laughs> uh, but and besides, someone from Microsoft's probably listening and I don't want to lose my MVP status. So um, <laughs> right, does that help frame the conversation as far as why we have this confusion in market today? No, it definitely does. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that I um, think we've seen change in the landscape with all of these cloud delivery platforms is I log into something as a user and I could be ahead of marketing or something like that. And all I see everything there. So my immediate thought is, oh, well, it will just be there. It'll just be there if I if I need to go get it. If I delete something, it's got to it's got to be somewhere. It's it's in the cloud. It must be there. So Franklin, I want to kind of pull your thought process. You're talking to customers likely on a regular basis about this. Is this a is this a known a known issue amongst who you're talking about? And they're just thinking, oh, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. Is it part of, you know, is it part of the discussion today? Or is it something that we really need to shed more light on? We do need to shed more light on that. And to, to Jason's point, some of the customers think because the actual mailbox resides on the cloud that are, you know, the OEMs, Microsoft is backing it up. But in all reality, 
it's just their own form of telling you that they have some DR in place, right? Saying that if this data center goes down, I should be able to retrieve stuff from this data center. But in all reality, if an actual mail got deleted, right? If an actual mail got deleted, then how do you get that back? Just one piece of mail and not just the whole user's mailbox. So that's what we get. And now forget, let's take out the whole Veeam, the whole Microsoft, and let's just focus on backups, right? Within backups, let's say we have a server that has a whole terabyte of, of, of data, right? We'll be wanting to back up the whole data, and then we'll also want to back up single files so that in case, to Jason's point, when a user makes a mistake and deletes one file, we should be able to restore granularity from that one file. And if, oh, by the way, the server blows up, we should be able to also retrieve the whole server content, right? So that's why I think it's one conversation we need to bring up to our customers. And then, oh, by the way, Microsoft doesn't have its own backup you know, application or service for Office 365 tying to customer workloads. So for sure, we do need to back up our workloads. Let's give Microsoft a little bit of credit, though, because some of the things <laughs> they do do that that I love, certainly the fact that it is a natively durable platform, right? So the fact that your, your mail is going to come from multiple places, I think, has credit. Also, certainly there are licenses of uh, the Office 365 and the Microsoft 365 product that has something called extended hold on it or litigation hold on it. And so certainly if you are an executive in the company and especially something publicly traded, you can freeze that mailbox and say, hey, nothing gets deleted. You got a thousand employees in your organization. You probably don't want to run that for all thousand of them, right? Also for the 200 employees that leave on a given year, do you want to keep paying for that license to keep that mail frozen? So there's certainly questions around, yes, you can extend that retention period, but that's not the same as operational backup. So just, you know, let's, let's make sure we don't throw Microsoft of the bus as far as where those gaps are. The other thing that I hope folks hear today is there's been kind of an interesting shift as far as the rest of the who question, Penny, that you asked earlier, let's go back to Veeam's history 12, 13 years ago, right? When virtualization first came out, it was not the generic IT pro that was driving VMware, right? It was that dedicated vAdmin. And first, it was that little pilot project in the corner. And then folks said, hey, servers run pretty well virtualized. Maybe we should run this in production, right? But for years, you could make a career out of being a vAdmin right? And just focusing on virtualization infrastructure. But then over time, what happens is, is that people understand that as virtualization gets commoditized and virtualization became mainstream, all of a sudden generic IT operations was now responsible for virtualization. And oh, by the way, the backup of it while it's there. And I think we're actually in that same flow right now where IT organizations are kind of starting to grow up a little bit. And you're not seeing as many SaaS admins that are purists and so the same folks that are now responsible for the rest of the backups for your organization, they're now being tasked with, hey, you know that Office 365 stuff? Yeah, that's now on your list too. You get to start backing that up as well. And that's a change for a lot of IT pros. They're, they don't have the skills for it. They don't have the simple admin credentials. Franklin, I'm sure you've got some horror stories of when uh, the first time someone tried to back up Office 365, that first time is not a trivial exercise when you're talking about the securities and permissions that you need and the architecture of where that data is going to live. Those are new skills. So as IT grows up and as responsibility for protecting and recovering Office 365 matures and evolves and transitions to a different team, they're going to have to have a second learning curve, which I think is going to be really interesting 
coming into 21 and 22. Right, right. So I guess where we where we actually back that thing up, so we back up the Office 365 workload to some kind of servers on Azure, right? And then on top of that, we configure another backup for that server that actually backs up your workload. So that even gives you more, you know, business continuity, if, that, if, if that's what you want to call it, right? So we can back up the actual workload to East US and still have that server back itself up or replicate to West US or to some other region. So you still get all that level of business continuity at the end of the day. So I think it's really awesome. Yeah, in Texas, we call that belt and suspenders. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, we talked about, it's so funny. I said the the seven reasons why we back up. I think the seventh is very late breaking, last minute edit. Um, so if you're out there and you see things that say six ways, this is you're hearing it first here on the Connection to Experience podcast. There's a seventh reason. So we talked to, you know, just sort of in conversation, some of the reasons, you know, someone deletes something or someone you're, you're trying to freeze an inbox and make sure you have access to data, things like that. Let's go through maybe what these seven reasons are. If I'm out there today, I'm operating, I've deployed Office 365. I don't have a backup. Why do I care about this? What's going to happen to me if I don't do it? You know, so what if so-and-so sitting in their office deletes an email and they can't get it? Let's walk through these seven things together. Yeah, so let's start off with the easy ones, right? So at the end of the day, the reasons you back up Office 365 are the same reasons why you back up anything else, right? The number one reason is, is because stuff goes away, accidental deletion. Now, we talk about that. One thing to remember is that when you're talking about Microsoft 365 or Office 365 or whatever parlance you want from that, don't in your brain overly correlate that to just meaning email. Yeah, good right? point. Because, because yeah. when you do that, when you say Office 365 means exchange online, when you do that, you start to get confused because then you'd say, oh, well, the recycle bin covers that, right? You know, I got a trash folder in my mailbox that covers that, right? <laughs> now, so remember that we're talking about Microsoft 365. We're talking about not just Exchange Online. You're talking about SharePoint Online. You're talking about OneDrive for Business for that unstructured data. And I got to tell you, more than once, I have opened up last month's budget spreadsheet and I wanted to do next month's budget. And I started editing over the top, right? I'm sure I'm the oh only one who's ever done that. But just so, you know, there's four of us on the call. I'm the, I'm the token person who's done that. Everybody else, you did it right. But for me, I needed a previous version, right? And previous versions only go back so far. I've done that on my SharePoint site. I've done that in unstructured file data. I've deleted mail and then not realized for two or three weeks that, hey, where did that thing go? And, uh, oh, by the way, my recycle bin's only set for 14 days. Right. So if you figure out three weeks later, the technical term is hosed. Uh, you're you're kind of done uh, at that point. So anyway, so accidental deletion is certainly number one reason that uh, you back up anything, right? Right. Number two, retention gaps, right? So what I try to help folks understand here is, is that if you're thinking about every workload in your enterprise and you're thinking about retention and, and protection mandates separately for each one of them, I guarantee some of your data is overprotected. Some of your data is underprotected, and you will not be able to restore what you need when you need it. Franklin, can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> amen. <laughs> I am a preacher on Sundays, so I kind of need that either from the choir or from the from the pews. One oh, well, now that I know, <laughs> so certainly from a retention gap perspective, are you holding it long enough? That's the first question anyone asks in any data protection scenario: is Are you holding it long enough for regulatory purposes? Right. 
And then, oh, by the way, then if you ask the lawyer the day after that, you're holding it too long. Huh. Right. So think about that. The one reg says I got to hold data for five years. Okay. So I got to do that. And then if I get sued by a patient from six years ago, I don't want any more data there than what I'm supposed to have. Yeah. Right. So four years, 11 months is too short. Five years and a month is too long. Right. You're going to have problems. And so certainly you do not want to be managing that kind of a window times each and every disparate application that you got across your entire environment. So you're looking for a way to manage that. Right. Let's see. What are the others? Oh, internal threats. Right. Thankfully, every IT pro in the history of man has always been a forthright and honest citizen. Nothing bad has ever happened internally within an organization except for that one time. Right. And so because of that one bad guy, you do want to protect yourself from bad actors internally. Right. Yeah. I, that's actually a really good point. We've talked about that from a not I don't think we've actually brought it up in a a business setting, but we've talked about it in an education setting where you have kids that are learning how to code and they're learning how to, we say, hack for good and things like that. But you always have people that use their powers for bad. (laughs) But the same thing is true in an organization. You've got people with mad skills that one bad day or one bad experience could really leave you in a a bit of a pickle as an organization. And sometimes, by the way, it's unintentional, right? So, hey, I'm working on this directory. I don't recognize any of the files. I'll go ahead and scrub those because I don't need them anymore. Oh, wait, that's a team folder, right? (laughs) Everybody was using that directory. And now nobody gets to use that directory, right? You know, this is why we can't have nice things. And similarly, I will tell you, one of the first jobs I ever had in IT, I was was an SC at a local channel bar, and I'd had these two dual arrays that were mirrored, and one of them broke, and I was responsible for fixing everything. I brought in the brand new drives, and I reconfigured the array, and I happily mirrored the virgin drives over the top of the surviving copy as opposed to the other way around. So now I had two sets of virgin drives as opposed to one. So, And I was that trusted storage guy. I just was new. And then now no one had data. I mean, so stuff <laughs> happens, right? And and in 2020, we talk about the threats in the cyber landscape. You know, you almost have to blur the lines between how you're protecting internal controls and how you're protecting external controls. When you think about, let's see, I think last stats I saw was like one in four cyber attacks comes from phishing, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody, you know, somebody clicked on an email. So it might've been a bad actor that sent it, but it was a trusted internal person that clicked it. Right. Right. And so protecting on internal versus external, I think, starts to muddy the waters. And the Office 365 running in Redmond, Washington does not protect my Outlook client in Dallas, Texas. I'm just as stupid clicking on online uh, resources as I am clicking on server-based resources. Mm. I make bad mistakes. So... I think that brings us to four, right? We've got accidental deletion, retention gaps, internal threats, cyber cyber external, attacks. Was yeah. that number four? External right, so number four, so external security threats. And you could also add into that, not just external security, but external impacts, right? So whether it's a down data center, whether it's a network interruption, you know, there's all kinds of things externally. It's not my fault. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just, you're down, right? That's the problem. Number five, uh, legal and compliance. We kind of blushed on that already. So the difference is, to Franklin's point, you can talk about operational recovery. I got to get that one message back. And then you can talk about compliance level recovery. I have just been sequestered for an e-discovery event and every email related to X, 
now has to be delivered within 72 hours or I have judgment against me in court. I mean, that you know, so you can separate those out, but it's all around. Can I get back what I need when I need it, whether that's operationally, regulatory, litigation, et cetera? And number six on the regular list is around migration, right? Franklin probably still donates a weekend every now and then. I frank, I don't as often anymore, but every migration project I've done for three decades starts at 8 p.m. on Friday. Correct. Right? Yeah, we're all, you can't mess with our data on our we're nine working. to fives. Right. No. Come on. <laughs> and by the way, your first job is, did you do a good backup? And your second right. job is, did you check your backup to make sure it was restorable? And the migration doesn't really kick in till Saturday morning, one or two in the morning, until you have confirmed that your restore was actually viable, right? So how about we make backup and recovery part of your migration plan and build those backups into the system? And by the way, interesting sidebar here, you could also leverage the recoverable data from your backup to start planning and scaling and testing your migration effort. So instead of just pointing exchange to exchange online and say, go, followed by a prayer of good luck, right? <laughs> Instead, how about we go ahead and take that, that last night's backup of your Exchange on-prem server, restore that into Exchange Online and say, how does that feel? What's performance look like? You can use it as part of your migration effort. So I have a very serious question here. This makes complete sense to me that if I'm doing a migration, I would have a backup and like I brilliant idea. Let's use our backup to migrate to see if it's successful. Franklin, is this a conversation that you have to convince people or a solution that you have to convince people to do? Because this seems, again, no brainer to me. Let's use our backup to migrate and having that backup is part of having a backup. Nice. What's going on with customers in this, this number six space? We're here with migration. Two cases. Two cases. And one, to Jason's point, you could use that as a migration strategy to make sure that you send that backup data and make it live on the other side. Now, the second point is if paraventure or if by any chance during the migration phase, there's something that needs to roll back. There has to be a rollback plan for every migration that I've done. It's not just mailboxes. It is servers. It is something I need to know that you have a backup and an actual restorable backup before I actually make that move. Because if something breaks somewhere in the way or in the destination and I can't get what I need, I need to fail back to something. So two cases. You can use that as a migration tool or you could use that as a rollback mechanism. Yeah. Now, to be fair, and I'm going to get some people on Twitter. By the way, my Twitter is jbuff, J-B-U-F-F. So if you have okay. things you want to keep the conversation going, I'd love to um, engage with people in real time. I'm going to have some Office 365 MVPs that are going to say, if I have 10,000 mailboxes, I'm not going to restore them from my last exchange online backup. And they're right. Right. So so certainly I would not back up 10,000 mailboxes on prem exchange and then restore those in for a couple of reasons. One, because you're creating a gap Two, you would not migrate 10,000 users at the same in the same flow. You know, it's it's a thousand. Right. It's 500 a week. But then honestly, the migration tools that are built in for Microsoft to natively do. And now I'm going to grab this set of mailboxes. Now I'm going to grab those. It's really such a seamless thing. So I want to make sure we don't oversell the fact that when you're using data protection as part of your migration project, it's for scale. 
It's for viability testing. It's for gotcha. the proof of concept team. Yeah. You don't do it for the whole 10,000 mailboxes. You do it for the first hundred. You make sure everything starts feeling good. And then you use the native tool set to move that across. But it should absolutely be part of that. And to Franklin's point, amen, amen, amen. Verily, verily so. Yes, you know, you need to have a rollback plan, not only for exchange and the unstructured file data, but also the AD that comes with that, that points that through. So you got to be true to that whole ecosystem along the way. Right. All right. Drum roll. And maybe if I leave a pause, our wonderful producer, Rob McIntosh, will be able to put in an actual drum roll. All right. So number seven, the late breaking reason that you need to back up Office 365 is? Teams. Teams. (laughs) There it is. We are, you know, finishing a year where if we did not understand before how important collaboration while working remotely from each other was critical to the business, Mm -hmm. you know, this is that year, right? And so what you have to understand is Teams is a a rather unruly animal um, when it comes to data protection. For anyone who's been in IT for, say, 10 or more years, think about when you first tried to back up an online website whether it was something like SharePoint or even just you had a web front end, you had some .NET middleware, and then you had a couple SQL databases on the back end of that. You thought you were supposed to back up the website. What you actually ended up having to do was you have to back up those web front end servers. You get to back up that .NET middleware server. You get to back up at least one copy of the back end database and then stitch it back together again in a way that it's usable, right? <laughs> Which is, that's a problem. Right. Teams looks very similar to that. So part of Teams is actually stuck underneath the hidden folder in SharePoint uh, online. Part of that is its own comm server. Part of that is through the web presentation. Your file attachments go someplace else and you got to stitch it back together again. So it's usable. Right. I mean, same kind of idea. And so what I will tell you is and I'll, I'll take off my Veeam hat. Let me put my technology hat back on. Before I joined Microsoft in the early 2000s, we talked with some of the dev leads. And one of the dev leads told me once, it was David Gold, father of the Windows file system and Windows storage. He talked about, and Bob Moo, and they talked about when a platform first comes out, the internal plumbing for things like data protection is rarely something which is thought of. You know, right? They're just trying to prove the platform's worth having, that it's worth using. Right. And so, you know, fast look at uh, Windows didn't have VSS for several years. And now how could you back up Windows and not have VSS? VMware, you couldn't back up VMs while they were hot until the vStorage 5 um, APIs first came out. The plumbing to back up things like Office 365 has not always been native. And as Microsoft continues to innovate on the platform, it's that mainstreamness that also forces them to say, and we got to start opening up some APIs so people can start backing up that back end. And that's where we are is, you know, Teams has really matured over the last couple of years. But, uh, but Teams has really adapted over the years. And so it's just in this last year, then in part because we've been collaborating with them over that. It's like, yes, Teams needs to be back up a bull. Right. And, and so certainly as we have relied on that as a mainstream communication um, to keep the business running in 2020, um, the timing on that's impeccable. So yes, yeah, so I'll put my Veeam hat on for just a second. In December of 2020, we shipped version five of our Veeam backup for Office 365 product. And the main flagship feature in version five is we backup teams, right? Along with that rest of that portfolio. Super excited about that. And now I'll take my Veeam hat back off. So I mean, oh, by the way, you know, if we, we're all on this call and we had a Teams chat, 
if I share a file, it goes to a separate location. And then mm-hmm. if I share a file between myself and just Penny, it goes to somewhere else. So how am I mm-hmm. sure that we can bring all these back together, you know, and view it from one pane? So that's why it would be nice and it would be really good to be able to back up the whole teams, right? So that all these discombobulated parts can be brought together at the end of the day, you know? So that's what I think is awesome. Yeah. In fact, if you think about, so, and Penny, your very first question on the hour was, should you be backing up your own team or your own office? And I said, well, actually, I don't think you can, right? So there, there is that. But for that SaaS admin or more and more the generic IT pro who's now responsible for backing up office like everything else, what you'll find is the way that you back up things like Exchange Online, SharePoint Online, OneDrive for Business Online, now Teams, is you don't go per user. You don't go, you know, you, you pick the org. You say, this is the org on Microsoft 365, and here are the facets of the data set that I want. I like doing it that way because the length of time that you might retain one application with an Office 365 might be different than others. But yeah, you pick okay. that. And so, so now you're just going to check a box that says, hey, backup teams, right? That box wasn't there. You install version five. Now it is. Check that box. There's a few admin step, steps to set it up. But in principle, <laughs> every new chat, we got you back. Uh, that is, that actually, you know, I was half kidding when I was like, oh, and late breaking drum roll, please. But when you look at the amount of active users in Teams right now, and even myself, my conversion to Teams over the last year, uh, if I ever lost the data in my Teams, I mean, I don't know if Rob will have to edit, edit this out, but I'd be screwed. <laughs> There's no... Like there is, I'll say it again. I'll say something different, Rob, in case you have to edit it out. I would be, no, I'm not going to. Um, But my whole work is in there now. Like my PowerPoints are in there. My spreadsheets are in there. My historical planning strategy sessions are in there. Like I so often do a search through Teams to find something where I'm hoping to get to the point, which I'm sure next year we will probably be there. I don't even have to be in Outlook anymore or Outlook's part of my Teams because that's where I live and breathe now. And if it went down and if if you're out there and you're using Teams, you better hope that your um, your admins are including this Teams checkbox. Otherwise, you're, you too will be screwed if you lose all of your Teams data. I would love to see if that comes across in closed captioning. I just think that'd be funny as all get out. But <laughs> Penny, I, I have bad news for you. So one of the latest things which is happening is because everybody is using Teams. I mean, everybody is relying on, on instant messaging more and more. I just saw a note, and, and, and Franklin, keep me honest on this, but I just saw a note that one of the default behaviors in Teams might actually be changing a little bit. And the default behavior actually allows for guests, people that are not in your org, yes. to start having better access to PMing yes. you. Correct. So here's the thing. I've been using Teams at work for as long as Teams has been available, but I'm also a scout leader. I have Teams chats and Teams threads with my youth and with their parents. And and I told you I'm a little bit of a preacher on the side. I have that with you know folks in my Sunday school club. I mean, you know, Teams is becoming ubiquitous and it's not just within an org. So you think you rely on it for the, you know, the little stuff like work. Wait until you rely on it for the big life stuff that you don't get to recreate. Right. I mean, this right. goes back to why you protect data at all. I don't care if I yep. lose a spreadsheet. I don't want to lose pictures of my kids. I can't go. Right. I can't do those again. Right. So Teams is about to be even more critical to your life, not just your work. Right. Um, as we move forward, you might want to back that stuff up. 
And, you know, one of the experiences that I had migrating data from GoDaddy to actual Microsoft commercial. And I just remember that when, you know, Penny was talking about how so much she's been, you know, working in teams. And so we have this customer and she doesn't even know that there's a lot within teams. And then we end up just moving the mailboxes and then probably OneDrive files. And then we get her over to the commercial cloud. And oh, by the way, I have teams. I can't see all that stuff. <laughs> and what happened, we had to roll back everything we have wow. moved to Microsoft Commercial Cloud. And this is a wow. live experience three months back. It took me a whole Saturday, Sunday evening to bring everything back to GoDaddy and actually then back up, you know, teams and then restore it on the other side. So I think, yeah. It's a no-brainer. If you if you're not no doing brainer. it, if you're not doing it, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, one of the dirty little secrets in IT, you cannot restore what you did not back up. Right. <laughs> right. This is gonna, that's the name of this episode. You cannot restore what you did not back up. <laughs> on time. Well, and, and as long as we've been in IT, I mean, I can tell you about almost every every major IT architecture I've ever had. I had people who said, "Well, why didn't you back up that server?" Well, because it was sitting underneath your desk. It was not in the data center, right? I mean, just uh, you, you cannot restore what you did not back up. No, it's like they're all operating under the assumption. So I like working in uh, Word or Excel. And if something goes wrong, that auto recovery, like where I can go into that little folder that's got secret documents that I thought I lost. Yeah. Uh, we don't want our IT departments operating that way. Like maybe it was auto recovered um, and we can go back and get it. Well, and then, of course, now in that case, even for just user productivity files, right? So if I'm using my, I'm using um, Office and I'm sharing data on Office 365 and OneDrive, at least I get auto-recovery, right? I store those same files in another file-sharing program that's not OneDrive for Business. Autosave does not work, right? right. So, you know, yeah. um, you know, box drop or... Yeah, I've also learned that. Name too, but, um, but yeah. So, um, so yes, you want to be syncing from the users back to those back-end stores. And then from those back-end stores, um, IT Pro gets it. Yeah, I love it. This conversation has, I will say, been one of my favorites. Because I, I think you, Jason, and you, Franklin, absolutely really wrap this into a very realistic situation. It's like, will the world end if you don't back up your data? No, but you're going to have a heck of a lot of problems um, both legal, both internal, both external, and a giant headache on your hands. And so the last thing I want to end with, we've talked about the seven reasons why you need to back up. So if you're not scared and you already have this handled, wonderful. Congratulations to you. But if you really need to go down this path to implement backup, what is the best way to get a hold of our Microsoft team here and our Veeam team to really accomplish this from, a, I believe this is really what we'd call backup as a service, if I'm correct there. How do they get started with the teams here to make this a reality for them? I'm assuming mostly that's a Franklin question as far as, you know, how do you, how, uh, from the connection service per se. What I will tell you, what I was excited about on joining the call for today is when you think about any part of IT, when things go bad, that is not the time to go the learning curve to how to learn how to recover. Right. So I love the fact that as people are standing up backup as a service for Office 365, these are often coming from the experts that 
this is who you would call if your servers went down. Why wouldn't they be the same people you would call when your services need data to recover? I love that power because you're who I rely on to get me running. You're who I rely on throughout, you know, any burp I've got on-prem. Why wouldn't I have you have the best access to my secondary data to help me recover the rest of my environment as I move forward in a hybrid architecture? I mean, from my side, I guess the easy way to get to us is look at our website, send us an email, contact an account manager. The good part of the story is we are both partners with Microsoft and Veeam, so you get the best of both worlds. We have subject matter experts on the Veeam side and so as myself on the Microsoft side. One of the issues that we've had before is we've had another customer that configured Veeam backups, but then, and that sat on Azure, but there was a ransomware attack on that. So you also need, you also need an Azure expert that would also you know, protect that workload that is being backed up, you know? So at the end of the day, you get best of both worlds, Microsoft experts, Veeam experts, reach out to us via email. My email is franklin.nsude at connection.com and reach out to account manager, you know, and we'll be able to take it from there. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Thank you both so much for joining us. Franklin, you said it best. Reach out to your account manager. Find us at www.connection.com and we can really get you connected to our Veeam and Microsoft solution experts to really help you get your data backed up and make sure that you don't end up in a situation that we all don't want to be in um, when we lose our data. So thank you both so much for an energetic, lively conversation. I loved it. And I hope you'll come back to join us soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. And on whatever platform you are listening to us on today, please be sure to like, share, and follow so you can get our newest episodes as they're released. If you have feedback on today's episode, we'd love for you to drop us a comment or you can email us at podcasts at connection.com. Thanks again, guys, for joining. I hope we actually, as this Teams conversation continues, it'll be really interesting to see the backup of Teams and see how that progresses uh, beyond the pandemic. So again, thank you for joining and have a great day. with the experts from Beam and Microsoft to talk about the six reasons you... Oh, shoot. No, back. We got to do seven reasons. You can call <laughs> Rob, it six. Rob, the, you the, haven't the, had an outtake in forever. <laughs> <laughs> you should just do a compilation of me going, oh, shoot, no. <laughs> no, just call it six because the PDF says six and I'll correct you in the audio.